So happy African-American History Month. Amen. First day. So it's an honor and a privilege to be before you on this day. Um, you know, I, I, I love history, and so I often reflect on the journeys of our ancestors, uh, especially during this part of the year. Because of God's great love, we are not consumed. For his mercies never cease, never fail. They are new every morning. Great in thy faithfulness. I think those words came to the hearts and minds of those that have gone before us and that, uh, that are now part of a great cloud of witnesses. And so we honor and reflect on them and hold their stories today. Um, I also want to take a moment to hold uh, the life um, of Tylee Nichols, um, his child, his mother, his family, his community, and this nation. A great healing is definitely needed. We just hold Brother Tyree on this evening. Also, um, our friends um, in New Jersey, um, whose synagogue, uh, was attacked, and also members of the AAPI community. We are a communal people, and so we hold all communities who suffer. Amen? Amen. Um, so I want to begin tonight with a review kind of of the first three weeks, and then land us in our narrative study for this evening. Um, week one, we did Abram and his altars, as you remember. Week two, we sat with Jonah in the belly of Sheol, the belly of the beast. Uh, week three, we sat with Hannah and her fervent prayer, her open-hearted prayer. And this week, we will land on Esther, on Esther as an exemplar in, in prayer. And um, of course, we'll lay a foundation to get there. Um, but want to review just models of prayer, models of prayer. So we saw first building up altars, yes, with Abram. Um, we saw prayers from the belly of the beast, prayers for your very life with Jonah, yes. And then with Hannah, um, we saw sort of a silent, fervent prayer, right? Uh, a prayer where her body was a partner in her prayer life, just her and God. Hannah went away to get with God and prayed to God um, in a way that reflected an intimate relationship. And so we also saw throughout these uh, first three weeks, the power of prayer and how the power of prayer can shift human perspective. Um, Abram returned and repented, right? Uh, when he went to his places of prayer marked by his, his altar and he received instruction from God in Genesis 13, 14, when he was um, in solitude, right? Remember, a lot had to go away before the word of God came to Abram. So there's something about getting along with God returning to the place um, where you first uh, prayed or received a message, returning to that, that prayer posture. Um, there's something to that that causes a powerful shift. Um, we saw the shift in Jonah's thinking in Jonah chapter 2, verse 6b. Remember that fulcrum and everything tilted for Jonah on that fulcrum, but that shift happened once Jonah was in prayer. And then finally, um, Hannah, uh, after praying, Remember, after she made her ask, Hannah kept on praying. Remember, 
she stayed in prayer. She kept on praying. And after she was done praying, um, she found that not only her joy, but her appetite was restored. And it said, Hannah began to eat again, um, believing that she had received from God what she had asked for. Um, we saw prayer and fasting as a theme, both with Jonah um, and with Hannah. That will continue on this evening with Esther. We're going to add Esther to that list. And then finally, we have seen not only deliverance, but deliverance in abundance. Deliverance in abundance. Remember, Abraham was enriched in a foreign land. And this is after he had made this just colossal mistake twice, remember? <laughs> Putting loved ones at risk. Um, but yet he was still blessed abundantly, the gracious hand of God. We saw Jonah not only see his life spared, but remember he was spit up on dry land, on the beach, one translation said. Um, and plus he got a second chance, right? The very same word of God came to Jonah. And then of course, all of Nineveh and the animals were spared, right? Hannah, after waiting years for a child, not only received the son that she requested, uh, but her son would become a great prophet to help save a nation. But her story doesn't end there. For those of you who read the full narrative of Hannah, know that Hannah went on to have multiple children after Samuel. So deliverance and blessing in abundance. And tonight we'll also see deliverance that Esther received on behalf of her people. So that's just a quick synopsis of our three weeks. It doesn't hit everything, but hopefully it draws some themes to mind that we'll also see this evening. And so I encourage you to read the full narrative of Esther. Esther's a longer book than Jonah, and we can't reach all the details tonight, but for my Bible readers, where are you at? Please go back, <laughs> I see you. <laughs> Please go back and read um, the narrative. I think it will bless you immensely. Today, um, to narrow, I wanna focus in on Esther's ask, on Esther's ask. And as always, we will bridge there. We're gonna lay a foundation and then we will land on um, select verses from her narrative that really center in on her practice of asking. Okay, so first let's talk about um, how Esther decides. First, Esther decides, she decides. Do we, do we remember the how long motif from the Psalms? How long, O oh Lord, remember? How long, how long? And it's this motif we see throughout the Psalms. I wanna, I wanna bring your memory back to how long. Let's turn to 1 Kings 18, verse 21. These related scriptures, um, they're gonna come in order of how I'm gonna reach them. So we're, we're not going to turn to all of them, but this is just for your reference if you're going back to review the related scriptures on the board. Um, so 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21. I like it from the New King James. So I'll read it. How long will you falter between two opinions. If the, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is, follow him. 
Here's the New Living Translation. How much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, then follow him. Here's the message version. For those of you who never read the Message Bible, here it is. How long are you going to sit on the fence? If God is the real God, follow him. If Baal, follow him. Make up your minds. How long are you going to sit on the fence? If God is the real God, follow him. Make up your minds. Esther decides. She decides. So this verse in 1 Kings 18.21, the verb there, falter, waver. In the Hebrew, the verb is pasach. Pasach means to skip, to pass over, to hesitate, to limp, to limp, to skip over, to pass over. And so the prophet Elijah in the narrative in 1 Kings offers the people a choice. The choice is yours. And notice in the narrative, after the choice is offered by Elijah, the people remain silent. Good. They remain silent. We'll come back to that. So follow the Lord, follow Baal. The choice that God gives us is always rooted in love. God always gives us a choice. Okay? God always gives us a choice. Romans 5, 19, I like the King James Version. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. By the obedience of one should many remain righteous. Just think about Jonah, right? And he didn't even get it right the first time. But still, many came to repent, right, and prayer to God. So Hannah decided... And after her vow, she dedicates her son. Samuel decides to answer the call of God as a youth, right? And the nation was blessed. Abraham decides to follow the call of God at age 75 and leaves his life in his father's house to ultimately become the father of many nations. And we know that Abraham faltered as well. He didn't always get it right. Esther decides and saves her people. Esther decides and saves her people. So by the obedience of one, many shall be made righteous. Yes, Sister Connie. Um, so let's now turn to the book of Esther. And you can flip to chapter four. I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version in just five points to get us up to chapter four. Cliff Notes version. Esther is chosen. She's chosen as the new king to replace who? Queen Vashti, right? Who was principled and stood firm in her belief, okay? Um, so Esther is chosen as the new king, as the new queen. Esther is an orphan who was being raised by Mordecai, her cousin, and Esther is a Jew, even though she kept that fact hidden 
right, when she arrived at the palace. Haman was a man that the king promoted above all of the royal officials. So Haman had a lot of power, and Haman decided to issue a decree, to issue a law for, this, for the destruction, for the total destruction, the annihilation of Esther's people, of the Jewish people. Mordecai receives this news and alerts Esther to this decree when she's where? In the palace. She's the queen. Mordecai alerts her to this, okay? And that's where we pick up in chapter four. So take a look at verse 11. We're in Esther chapter four, verse 11. I'm going to read from the New Revised Standard Version. Are we there? Amen. Okay. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know, this is Esther replying to Mordecai after he alerts her, they know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, without being summoned, there is but one law, all are alike to be put to death. Only if the king holds out his golden specter to someone may that person live. I myself have not been called to come into the king for 30 days. Verse 12, when they told Mordecai what Esther had said, Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, do not think that in the king's palace, you will escape any more than all the other Jews. 14, for if you keep what? Silent. At such a time as this, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter, but you and your father's family will perish. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to royal position, to royal dignity, to royal stature for just such a time as this. Mm. Then Esther said in reply to Mordecai, go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and neither eat nor drink for three days or nights. I and my maids will also fast as you do. After that, I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Mm. Right, wow. So we're going to break it down. We're going we're gonna to live in verses 11 through 16 tonight. Okay, um, so Mordecai presents Esther with a choice, right? Just like the prophet Elijah presented a choice on the mountain in the presence of witnesses. Mordecai presents Esther with a choice to remain silent or to take action on behalf of her people, okay? Chapter, um, verse 14, that keeps silent silence as an inhibitor to justice made me think of MLK's 
eloquent letter from a Birmingham jail. He takes up the subject of remaining silent. Here's a snippet. MLK writes, all too many others have been more cautious than courageous and have remained what? Silent. Have remained silent. Behind anesthetizing security of stained glass windows. He was calling out certain clergy and certain church leaders about remaining silent in the face of injustice. Ida B. Wells put it like this, the way to right wrongs is to shine a light of truth on them. Speak truth. Speak truth to power. Okay? To some of you who need some Bible on it, outside of verse 14, Ecclesiastes 3.1. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. Verse seven, there is a time to speak and a time to be silent, okay? So Mordecai says to Esther, you have a choice to make. You have a choice to make. You need to make a decision. That's the message Bible. You can't sit on the fence on this one, right? You, you can't hide out in the back of the, in the, back of the hair. You, you have to make a decision, right? No skipping past this, no wavering, no faltering, no limping past this. This must be addressed. Mordecai lets her know you must make a decision and Esther decides, she decides, okay? So in verse 14, Mordecai, and I'll read it again, makes this, this powerful and prophetic word and offers it to Esther. For if you keep silent at such a time as this, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter. Skipping down, who knows, perhaps you have come to royal position for such a time as this. Then I love it. Here's verse 15. My Bible says, then, then, like right then, Right, right then, Esther decides, right? Verse 15 says, then Esther said and replied to Mordecai. And you all have to understand, there's like a messenger running back and forth, right? This, this, Esther's not speaking directly to Mordecai. She's in the palace. He's, he's outside the palace, probably some distance away at the gate. And so there's a messenger running back and forth. Then Esther said and replied to Mordecai, 16, she said, go, right? Go fast for me. So let's put a pen right there and we'll come back to that. But you all know I love the psalm, so I got to give you a psalm. 56.3, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. And I believe Esther's act is a courageous one. Courageous being defined that fear has not completely left her, but she acts anyhow. She acts anyway. And she even concedes this in verse 16, right? If I perish, I perish. I'm about to break the law. I'm gonna need you all to pray and fast for me because I'm about to break this law. And if I perish, I perish, right? I'm about to go on this mission that's gonna likely gonna cost me my life. The king has not called for me in, in 30 days, but you all pray, <laughs> you, you all pray and fast. 
And then I'm going to go ahead and break the log. And if I perish, I perish, okay? So Esther decides. Esther gets up off the fence and makes this critical decision. But she asks in prayer, right? She asks for her people to gather and to fast and pray for her. She asks, right? So let's turn to John 14, 14. And then if someone also can get John 15, 7. Does someone have 14, 14? Okay, we, we got a mic. Thank you, thank you. Here comes the mic, here comes the mic. 1414. 14. John 1414, 14, did you ask me anything in my name? Mm. Anything in my name, I will do it. Anything in my name, I will do it. And recall, remember Psalm 37, 4. And we talked about the right heart posture and how the transformed heart asks things that are in alignment, right, with the will of God. So, so it's a prayerful ask, family. It's not like a shooting at the head, Lord, I want to, you know, this, that, and a third, right? This is a, this is a heart posture, right? So clearly Esther feels called to this moment. I believe you can be called to a moment. She feels called to this moment. She knows she's going to have to go before the highest authority and speak on behalf of her people. She's asking for prayer. You ask anything in my name, I will do it. Thank you. And then um, John 15, 7, asking in prayer, asking in prayer. Thank you, Stephen. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, that's whatever you wedded. And it will be. Mm, yes. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Do you see how that theme is there? But that connectivity with God, that heart posture. If you abide in me, right? Psalm 37, 4, if you delight in me. Yes. So there's this union, but there's this unity with God. There's this relation with God that puts us in position to make asks that are effective. Yes, okay? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So I'm sitting in my quiet time and you know, a litany of questions come to mind for me to consider. So I'm gonna offer them just in case any of them land for you to consider. So the first question that came was, when was the last time you asked for wisdom? Ah. Every day, today. Let's try another one. When was the last time I sought out wise counsel? Remember how the Queen of Sheba traveled to get to King Solomon? When was the last time I journeyed? I made a drastic effort to seek wise counsel. When was the last time I asked for the peace of God 
that surpasses all understanding to guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So not God fix it, not God make it stop, but God just grant me your peace that is beyond my understanding of this situation to guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. Lord, when was the last time I asked for grace sufficient to see me through? Not do it now, God. Not, I, this is what I need you to do, God. <laughs> but look, just give me grace that is sufficient, right? The Apostle Paul is helping us out here. When was the last time you and I prayed for just a heightened awareness of God in the midst of a storm? Just, Lord, just let me, let me, let me sense your presence with me. I know you're near to me, closer than my next breath. Just let me sense your presence as I walk through this. Right? In the belly of Sheol, in the belly of the beast, Lord, just, just give me a heightened awareness of your presence. You know, we could just be like a feather on the breath of God. Just one little, one little breath can shoot us way up, just like a feather. When was the last time I asked for my trial to shape me, to transform me, to change me? When was the last time I acknowledged the Holy Spirit interceding for me during my prayer? Groaning on my behalf during my prayer. Romans 8, 26, right? Ian Bounds, the author of the meditative book, The Power of Prayer, writes this, the call of prayer to every saint is the Spirit's most urgent call. The call of prayer to every believer is the Spirit's most urgent call. Yes. So we too can be an exemplar like Esther and we can ask in prayer. So Esther decides and then Esther asks. Let me just pause. Let me just pause and see if there's any questions or, or comments. Stephen. Uh, just kind of a recap, uh, Hannah, what she prayed, one thing I noticed is that she did give her release until Eli said, go, her requests been granted. So she would have to wait until she got that confirmation. Um, the other thing I saw was Esther, she got deliverance. She was called the God that uh, said that if you do not go, the power of God is so real that he said, even if you don't go, I will raise somebody else up to make sure because Finney. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Don't do it. I'll raise up somebody else. Exactly. God always has a plan B. 
right? And sometimes that is just what Stephen said, moving on. And sometimes it's, it's dealing with us, like Jonah. Jonah learned out God's plan B in Jonah's case was, was for Jonah to get himself together. And sometimes it might be that God tapped someone else just as Stephen said, yes. Um, thank you, Stephen. Any other comments? We're going to keep it moving? Correct. Okay, so John 15, 7, once again, abide if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Ask, 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 right? John 14, 14, ask. John 15, 7, ask, right? And Esther asks. So let's focus back on... Um, Esther, chapter 4, verse 16. Here's Esther's ask. Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. And I and my handmaidens will also fast as you do. After that... Someone say after, after. So after the three-day fast, right, and prayer session, after that, I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, what? I perish. 17, Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. So Esther asks. Esther asks for intercessory prayer on, on behalf of herself. Yes, on behalf of herself. So she could have the strength, so she could have the courage to do what was required of her in this moment, to put her life on the line. This is a big ask, right? And so Esther asked for the strength to face it, but I think she also may have asked for wisdom. How, right? What, what language should I use? And so similar to um, the prayers of Abram in Genesis, we don't really get the content of Esther's prayer, right? Jonah in chapter two, we got, you know, we got Jonah's prayer. And even Hannah, we got portions of her prayer, not all of it, but, but we got little glimpses. We got little snippets of it. Here, we don't really get um, Esther's prayer. And so we can, we can imagine what Esther might have been praying. And so her ask is a dual ask. Uh oh, here's the first line, friends. Esther decides. And then here, Esther asks. And so I think her ask is twofold. First, she asked her people to do what? Gather yep, gather together, fast and pray. All, all the above. To gather, to fast, and to pray, right? And so throughout the Bible, when you see um, fasting, praying is, is a partner in that, right? This is, this is seen in both the Old 
um, and the New Testament. We'll get to that in just a second. Um, but I do want to note for my avid readers who just like to read that in um, the Apocrypha, in the Greek version of Esther, okay, there's an addition that basically delineates Esther's full prayer. It also gives you Mordecai's prayer. And so if you have a study Bible with an Apocrypha and you have some free time and you want to read the prayer, <laughs> feel free. I think it gives you a glimpse into the emotion um, Esther was carrying into, and into some things um, that she was experiencing. And so, you know, this is just outside of the biblical canon, but um, I think in Catholic and maybe even Greek or uh, Orthodox Bibles, it's included. But if you have a study Bible with an apocrypha, let the church say apocrypha, apocrypha, then you'll find these additional um, sections of um, Esther in the Greek version. Yes, Stephen. It, it'll say it'll say it'll say Esther. Like for example. It says Esther with additions, but you have to have a, where do you find a Bible within it? It'll, it'll, it'll say on the cover. So often the NRSV version typically uh, will have an apocrypha. Um, this right here is the HarperCollins Study Bible, NRSV. And it literally says with apocryphal and deuterocanonical books, just additional books. So as you know, outside of the Bible, there are an array of ancient writings, of ancient narratives um, that, that you can read. And so the, um, the Old Testament Apocrypha happens to have um, a book called Esther with Editions. And so there, um, Esther's prayer um, is delineated. And so the, the, you know, the Old Testament Apocrypha basically just signifies um, numerous um, Jewish religious writings um, that date from, I believe, 300 BC to I think 70 um, uh, CE. And so this is like an ancient literary collection, but it does have um, a particular book with a particular edition that delineates Esther's prayer. It's in the app store. It's in the app store as well. Thank you, Pastor James. Also in the app store. Yes online some of the study sites and they have uh, the different translations and the different books click on that and the Buddha okay so online at various study sites you might also find it there so from this another studies in Google also okay perfect so you can Google Esther's prayer and also get there so for my avid readers um it's there for the, for the reading if you'd like to okay um, if you'd like to. So the Apocrypha, right, you will find um, the book of Esther and also other interesting reads, the book of Judith, the, the, the book of Tobit, etc. Okay, but Esther um, prepares a dual ask on behalf of her people. Um, I mean, she asks for prayer on behalf of her people, but then what's the second part of her ask? After she asks for prayer, what's her second ask? Yes, wisdom, but who else does she have to go before? The king, right. So she asked her people, right? Arguably the easier ask, okay. But then she's gotta ask 
the king. Okay, so there's a dual ask that Esther needs to make. Um, so first thing, Esther asks for prayer. She does this first, right? There is a time for everything, <laughs> a season for everything. And beloved, I submit to you, there is a time for prayer. And if you find yourself where you need to go before an authority, if you need to do something out of the ordinary, something that terrifies you, I submit to you that uh, in addition to many other times uh, where you might pray, that is a time to pray, right? That is a time to pray and ask for the language. Remember Exodus 4.12, right? God says to Moses, I will direct your tongue. I will give you the language, right? That's a time to recall uh, Proverbs 21.1 right? Where a king's heart is like a channel of water in the hands of God, right? God can turn it however God chooses or any authority, a queen, whoever, right? It's a time to recall what we said before, Psalms 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord, right? And God will grant the desires of your heart. Um, but I submit to you, it's also a time to recall Psalm 37, um, which was a favorite passage of my grandfather, my paternal grandfather. Um, I didn't know this until recently. Um, Psalm 37, right? In the King James, it says, fret not thyself. You know it over evildoers. My grandfather owned land. Um, and so I can only imagine what he faced trying to hang on to that land. Um, in the South, okay? So all of these scripture um, scriptures can be helpful as you go to God in prayer. God, give me the language, right? God, by your power, you could change the heart of this individual and turn it however way you choose. God, I'm delighting myself in you. Hear my request. God, help me to fret not over evildoers right? Neither be jealous of the workers of iniquity because they will be cut down like the grass. Come on now. And I see your Philadelphia Eagles hat too. I don't want to get, I don't want to get, I don't get sidetracked, but I see you. I see you. Okay. So Esther asks for prayer first, right? She asks for prayer. Let's turn to Luke 22, Jesus forever, our model. also a spiritual and prayer exemplar. Just wanna lift this quick uh, verse or two from Luke 22. Luke 22, uh, verse uh, 31. When you're there, say amen. Amen. And here it is, we got a dual vocative. Simon, Simon, right? The name called twice, you remember? Martha, Martha. Moses, Moses, Saul, Saul on the road to Damascus, right? So Jesus is, 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 is wanting to arrest the attention of Simon, right? Also known as who? Peter, there we go. Okay, Simon, Simon. I'm in Luke 22, 31. Listen, I feel like this is Jesus to me all the time. Aaliyah, Aaliyah, listen, listen. He might call my name three times, Aaliyah, Aaliyah, Aaliyah. Listen, right? Satan has demanded to do what? 
sift all of you like wheat. Cut you down like the grass. Right? But, verse 32, but I, this is Jesus, but I have what? Prayed for you that your own faith may not fail. Let's just pause there. Jesus prayed for Peter. And what did he pray for? That his own faith may not fail. Esther asked for prayer here. And in addition to the language and to the wisdom and all the things, I believe part of that prayer was, Lord, don't let my faith fail, right? At the critical hour, at the critical moment, don't let my faith fail. Yes, but I have prayed for you that your own faith may not fail, that your faith, so Peter was in possession of it, right? Work sometimes, but sometimes it might have a propensity to fail, right? That your own faith, your own, I mean, your would have been sufficient, but your own is like emphatic. Your own faith may not fail, right? And you, once you have turned back, remember Abram when he came back to the altar? Once you have turned back, once, when, once you have gotten back, into my will, once you have come back to yourself, <laughs> come back to myself, right? Once you remembered who you are, once you recalled that you were bought with a price, right? Once you remember all that, that you have value in my eyes, right? That neither life nor death, right? Nor angels nor demons. <laughs> I mean, Romans 8. I like this turn into a sermon. Let me keep, keep focused. Once you have turned back, strengthen your brothers and your sisters. So once you're back on track, strengthen others. How we do that? Pray for others. Pray for one another, right? Simon, Simon, listen. Listen. Satan has demanded to sift all of you like wheat. But I'm woke to the plan. But I have prayed for you that your own faith may not fail. Family, if we know that some among us or some in our surrounding community or our neighbors whom we love, whom we are commanded to love, if we know that they are up against something big, if they are walking in uncharted territory, if they have cause to fear, can we do like Jesus, our way maker, our model, and pray for them that their faith may not fail? Let's not just sit back and be like, ooh, that, mm, that's got to be difficult. I imagine that's hard. Mm. I've been down that road, I think, and, and that's hard. But can we pray for folks? Amen. Amen. I'm going to tell you what the Holy Spirit brought to my mind. I had a friend reach, reach out to me who I went to seminary with, and um, she was speaking on a big platform. And the text came in early. She's out east. And it said, you know, sis, can you pray for me? I got this thing tonight. 
And, you know, my response, of course, I'm going to pray for you. Absolutely. You know, I'll pray for you during the day and I'll pray for you right before the event starts. And I was doing my own meditation time. I do that early. And the spirit of God was like, no, record the prayer. Record yourself and send it to her. Amy, Amy. Audio message, send it to her so that she can hear your prayer for her at her convenience or multiple times. So, you know me, I was like, no doubt we're going to do that. And I went back to, to, to my Bible study. And the spirit of God was like, Aaliyah, Aaliyah, listen. <laughs> Record the prayer. <laughs> right now. I order now, right? You're already in my presence. You're already centered down. Record the prayer now. And so I had to like, you know, pause. Had to get my phone, which I have silence during this time, and center down and just ask God to give me the language, right? Give me insight. What is she dealing with? And I prayed for her. I recorded it. Sent the voice memo, a prayer for you, you know, my little emojis on there, and sent it off. Went back to what I was doing. Hours later, she responded, and she said, you know, I was in the library, and I was just, just shackled by this weight of anxiety. Couldn't, couldn't explain it, didn't understand it. She said, but all of a sudden, it lifted. And she said, I looked at the time that you sent the prayer. And she said, that's when that spirit of anxiety lifted. And she said, this calm settled over me. And did I, was I crying then or after I finished? I don't know. I just started crying. Because look at the power of prayer. I'm trying to get back to what I'm doing, which is a good thing, but it's not the thing for the moment, right? And I'm sure Esther was like, I got fish to fry. I'm out here trying to be a queen. I'm not, no one knows I'm a Jew. I'm trying to look out after my cousin out here. I got things to do. And all of a sudden, you want me to go on behalf of my people? I, I'm doing other good things out here. I'm transforming things in the palace, implementing some, some reforms, right? I'm doing some things. But let us not miss the opportunity to take the time and pray for somebody. And Jesus models it here in Luke 22. But notice two things. Jesus names the problem. Names it. Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat. Names the spiritual attack. Names the anxiety. Names the depression. Names the suicidal ideation. Names the grief. Whatever it is the temptation, names it, and then prays, right? Names it, and then prays for that specific thing. So when I was praying for my friend, I was praying for very specific things, but notice I hadn't even talked to her. I sent her down and asked God to Exodus 4.12, give me the language. I don't have to understand it. I don't have to have a conversation with her about it. I don't have to get into her business and know about it. Right? 
Notice in that Hannah narrative, Eli didn't have details about what Hannah was going through. Notice that part. But he issued a prayerful blessing over her, enough to get her, get her on her way to, to restoration. So maybe you send the audio prayer where the person can hear you pray for them and they can play that back whenever they need. Let's use this technology, yes? The Spirit of God is brilliant. I was like, that's a great idea. Yes. Pastor James, yes. So I'm just thinking about Esther in her actual position. As the queen, she has access to any food that she wants. Take your time. Esther of all of this and then declares, go on to fast. And I thought that was powerful that, you know, here I am, access, food, service, bringing me food, and declare a fast. Best of all that. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for that point. Thank you for that point. A la carte, just how you like it. And you all know I like food, so. Mm. Took some doing. Thank you for that. Excellent point. Pastor James, mercy. We have to move on. Um, okay. So Esther first asks for fasting and prayer on her behalf. Then Esther prays, you can read it in the Apocrypha, right? And she patiently frames the blueprint for her action, right? Go, go read the narrative when we're done tonight or maybe tomorrow or throughout the week, right? She's got a strategic plan. Banquet number one, the king likes banquets. We know that from the very opening of the book, right? Banquet number one, I believe God whispered to her, not tonight, but soon. Not tonight, but soon. Banquet number two, right? But she's very measured, right? She's got this sensitive ear, real sensitive ear. Um, not this banquet, maybe the next one. Not tonight, but real soon. Wait, I'll tell you, right? And so she's very sensitive in her ear. She's had, she has this, this ear that's trained, right, to hear from God. Okay, so she restrains herself while she waits. She asks for prayer first, she prays, and then while she's waiting for God to work, read the narrative, you see God's at work, she waits and she restrains herself. Remember our lesson on self-control and gentleness? Coulda, right? There's several occasions in this narrative where Esther could have blasted Haman, right? But she doesn't. When she goes before the king, risks her life, and he extends the golden specter, the king asked her, what, what do you desire? What do you want? I'll give it to you up to half of my kingdom. It's the Persian empires. That's a lot. You know, I'll give it to you. I mean, she could right there, she could have dropped it, right? Right on Haman, but she doesn't. She's measured. She's disciplined. She waits for the right moment, okay? So a sensitive ear. And then finally, number four, Esther asks for deliverance deliverance and so she's got a dual ask one from her people to gather fast and pray one from the king right but then she sees dual deliverance first 
I believe she's delivered from her fear. Okay. And I believe that happens during, during the period of fasting and praying. Not that it completely goes away, but it does not um, paralyze her. Thank you. It does not inhibit her from going before the king. So we can obey fear or we can obey God, right? And I think that she does it afraid to a certain point, okay? And that's that faith part we just talked about in Luke, that your own faith may not fail. So here on the balance of fear and faith, after that fast, faith was winning out, okay? To the point where she could go before the king and execute this strategic blueprint. So first I believe Esther is delivered from fear, okay? This dual deliverance. And then the second part of deliverance is on behalf of her people, okay? on behalf of her people. Some of you might be familiar with the story. Please go back and read it because I don't have time to take you through the very dramatic and compelling details of this narrative. But ultimately, Esther delivers for her people to the point where she's writing the law. She's writing the new law, right? And so um, there's a dual deliverance. for, And, and this time... Um, the ask is made or the, um, the, um, um, the plot of Haman is revealed in the presence of the king and it leads to deliverance for her people and the downfall of Haman. Psalm 50, 15, call on me in the day of trouble. Call on me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify my name. You shall glorify the name of the Lord. Call on me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you will glorify my name. And you see that play out in the narrative how the people come together and glorify the name of God. So I think that covers it, friend. Okay. Dual ask, dual deliverance. But first, Esther has to decide. She has to make a decision. Her people gather and they fast and pray. She and her handmaidens gather and they fast and pray. Can you see this image? Fasting and praying. And then she flawlessly executes this plan that brings deliverance for her people, but also brings the demise of Haman, a reversal of the law. Yes. We could just pray that she believed. Yes, absolutely. Stood on, stood on the promises. Is the song in somebody's head, standing on the promises? Come on now, come on songbirds. Yeah. Yes. Any other comments or thoughts and reflection? Yes, Jonathan. Um, my country, Liberia, goes to election this year. And now uh, currently the nation is great about fear. Very glad that you have current present my legal relation. And I'll pull back on the way to hell. All of you click and they didn't have My prayer is that you just keep my heritage to pray, whatever the law will is. Like Absolutely. Yes. 
Thank you for that. Anybody else before we close? Yes, Sister Connie. Here's the mic. Yes. Where uh, Jesus said that the Satan's asked permission to sit to right week. I was listening to a pastor, this was several years ago, and she had done a word study on that. And she said that one of the meanings of sit like week is to add to fate to the point of destruction. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, Satan wanted to destroy people. Yes. He wanted to agitate him to the point of destruction. And then Jesus said, but I, yeah, free. Yes. So, you know, it doesn't matter what the head in his brain is against you. I said, come on, preach it. Yeah, and I, that was, that, that really touched my spirit to agitate. So we have to be aware mm-hmm. that the enemy wants to sift us like we, yes. Only wants to agitate us, get us agitated and get us all upset. That's, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Agitate, right? The enemy of our peace, the enemy of our peace, anything to get us to lose our core of peace. Reminds me of Hannah, remember? The text said Penina provoked her sore to the point where she couldn't even eat, right? Elder Karim spoke to me, he was uh, the fear that mm-hmm. we, we faith that just because we have fear that we can't move as a time speed, you know, it doesn't mobilize me, but she did not allow that to dominate. Right. We just feel like if we're fearful that we can't do it. But my pastor used to say, um, if if you have to be shaken doing it, obey God. Mm. Because obedience, once you step out, because the fear to still be there, yeah. but the obedience part is what kind of takes over. Yes. And it's like, it just dominates. Yes. Out. Fear does not always disappear. It's there, but it's not in, it's not a Yes. Do it afraid. Do it afraid. Um, I had a um, law professor that said, uh, and I'll never forget it, and I shared it with my dad, and we loved it. It was like the thing between us. Um, but this professor said, uh, you know, leap, and then that will appear. Right? And I, and I shared it with my dad. And so, you know, in cards, he would buy a leap, daughter. And, you know, it's, it reminds me like we walk by faith and not by sight, right? Do it afraid. Do it afraid. If God has called you to it, God will see you through it. And the voice of the enemy is going to try everything to get us to just not moves, not moves on it, right? And if that even comes to our decisions, right? Remember, first Esther decided, don't waver, don't falter, don't limp, don't stay on the fence, make a decision in prayer, a prayerful decision, right? Um, anybody else? And yes, is that, I think that's Elder Pet. Can we get that mic in the back, Jonathan? Thank you so much. Okay, so uh, thank you about uh, Pastor Uli uh, for the base that lets to make an enemy. Uh, when to you know what? Say to let the county. What? Corinne, Elder Corinne, O'Connie. That 
also brought to my mind and the thing that you're saying about stepping out, taking the lead, and then others. It's a reminder to me in the second chapter of Joe and and also in the scripture that Cotty brought out. The scripture said that she was told Simon Satan is up. Satan is up. And that desire in the Greek is to ask and obtain permission. Yes. And in Job, the second chapter, when Job presented himself for the Lord, yep. the Bible says Satan was with him. Uh-huh. The first one that spoke, and God said it. Uh-huh. So that was in total control. And as we know, the conversation went on. God told Satan. Set the boundaries. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's a reminder to us that whatever the situation is, Come on now. The hand of God. That uh, missing thing is this. Uh-huh. Evil boys. Oh, the surface that. Mm-hmm. Now that it's in trouble, even though it looks bad. And how they become. If he allowed it, you said it another way. Uh-huh. Through it. Yeah. Well, he went out of his city. The people or the situation. Mm-hmm. Like I'm misusing any situation. Yeah, makes me think of those two words, but God. And Luke 22, Jesus said, but I, but I prayed, right? God is very present. Thank you, Elder Pat. Very present in every situation. Even down in the pit of, I am also there. Yes. You. As I was watching the funeral of the young man today, and although he was eaten, he never showed anger. And that was amazing to me that as they beat on him, he would ask why, hey, you know, things like that. But he never, you know, just started, you know, cussing him out or anything like that. And then that just let me maybe feel like all in time that got at his hands on him because they maybe they would beat him and he would have died right there if he didn't say something. But when you were saying, you know, time to quiet, I just thought about that it should work upon him, you know, bringing this, this message up to my heart is was thinking about him, uh, you know, crying out to the book. Tyree Nichols. Thank you for that. I, I, um, I did not see the video, but, um, I would imagine that just as we were saying, uh, that God came alongside him in that moment. That just started True. Yep. 
The book of Acts. Book of Acts. Trist. Yes. Yes. And I believe that. I believe that. I believe God stands with us and is very present, even in the belly of the beast. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. May we pray for Brother Tyree Nichols' son and mother and family. May we gather and may we pray. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So in that spirit, thank you all for your, for your sacred and blessed and inspired comment. It has been a joy to come alongside you in part one of this series. The series has blessed me. Glory to God. The series has blessed me. And um, it is my prayer that God was glorified and that we, his people, were edified.